0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the History of Forgotten Lands podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the Ukrainian national government. But before we get to that more obscure story, we have to talk about one that's much more well-known. The year was 1941, and Europe was sick with a severe case of World War II. There were a lot of things that had caused World War II, and I do mean a lot of things, but I want to talk about one cause in particular today, which is Lebensraum. Lebensraum is a term you may have heard before. It's German, and it translates literally to living room. A core tenet of Nazi expansionist ideology was the idea that the German people were too plentiful and too virile, so they needed to expand the domains of modern Germany in order to have more living room. In order to figure out where they ought to go, the Nazi party looked back at their history books and came to a startling realization. Oh wow, Wilhelm, look here at this book. It says here that Germans used to own all of Europe in the ancient days. We must take it back. Of course, what the Nazis called history was actually a fiction cooked up by the Nazis themselves in order to justify their plans. I can assure you that at no point did the Germans own the entire European continent, but that didn't mean that they weren't going to try to own the entire European continent. So, yeah, the Germans looked around and saw that the lands inhabited by the Slavs were full of, well, land. And that's what they wanted. Add this to the fact that the Nazis saw the Slavs as an inferior race, and you can see the German justification for the impending invasion of the Soviet Union. Operation Barbarossa, as the invasion was known, launched on June 22, 1941, and saw about 4 million Nazis head east, determined to crush the Soviets. Now to our part of the story. What's now Ukraine had been a part of the Soviet Union for almost two decades at this point in history, but that doesn't mean everyone there was a Soviet at heart. For instance, one of these groups was the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, or the OUN, as I'll be calling them from here on out. The OUN was a Ukrainian nationalist, expansionist, ethnocratic far-right political party, which means it had way more in common with the Nazis than it did with the Soviets. So, when news of the German invasion reached the exiled OUN leaders in Poland on launch day, They came together and established the Ukrainian National Committee. Not yet a government, but a committee that would eventually become a government. As a first action, the committee sent a message to one Adolf Hitler, who was like this painter or something from Austria, and expressed to him how excited they were to aid the Nazis in the fight against the Soviets in return for Ukrainian independence. When German troops arrived in the Ukrainian city of Lviv on June 30th, 1941, they were greeted by an excited populace hopeful for the establishment of a Ukrainian fascist state. Members of the OUN that were actually in the city and not exiled in Poland went so far as to declare Ukraine free as the Ukrainian national government. In their declaration of independence, the OUN called the Soviets enslavers, declared that they would work closely with the, quote, National Socialist Greater Germany, which is the Nazis, and named Yaroslav Stetsko, an OUN member, as their prime minister. They also appointed 26 other people to government positions, which would have formed quite a robust government had the Ukrainian national government actually succeeded. Unfortunately, they did not succeed, and you'll see why in just one second. Another thing that the national government got up to on June 30th was the formation of a state militia. The armed men were either long-time OUN members, turncoat Soviets, or just generally the disenfranchised men of Lviv. This militia immediately got to work by igniting a race riot in the city, in which the fascists began hunting down thousands of Jews to the best of their abilities. I'm sure they expected the Nazis to appreciate this gesture of goodwill, but that's not at all the way the Nazis saw it. From the German point of view, they had just conquered lowly Slavic territory, and now these Ukrainian thugs had set up a government and were operating an army within Axis lands. To the Nazis, the Ukrainian national government was nothing more than an attempted coup. When the Germans started arresting OUN leaders, I'm sure it came as quite a shock to the party. The OUN had been sending money, men, and arms to the Nazis for some time now, and they had expected at least mutual respect in return, if not full support. Unfortunately for them, the Nazis were playing a wholly different game than the Ukrainians were. The Nazis weren't in Slavic lands to spread fascism across the world. They were there to spread Germans across the world, not Ukrainians. In early July, Prime Minister Stetsko was the victim of an assassination attempt by quote-unquote unknown parties, so the Germans took him into quote-unquote protective custody all the way over in Berlin. With Stetsko's arrival in Berlin on July 12th, 1941, the Ukrainian national government had completely collapsed. That's a lifespan of 12 days, which is pretty good if you're like a fruit fly or something but not so good if you're a government. So, why was the Ukrainian national government forgotten? For me, I think it's something like this. The events of the Ukrainian national government occurred during one of the most studied wars in human history, but there's a problem with that. All of this happened on the Eastern Front. If you think about all the stuff you were taught about World War II in school, it all took place in the West the Battle of the Bulge, the Battle of Britain, the landings at Normandy on D-Day, all of that. Sure, you've probably heard of Operation Barbarossa, but I know for a fact that, for Americans at least, the Eastern Front of World War II is taught something like this. Hitler betrayed Stalin and attacked Russia, but he wasn't ready for the might of the Red Army or the Russian Winters, so the Soviets pushed him all the way back to Berlin. There's not a whole lot of history in there, and that's a shame, and that's where things like the Ukrainian national government get forgotten. That's all I've got for you folks this week. I know it's a short episode, but I thought it was an interesting story. Uh, Feel free to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, or I guess the platform formerly known as Twitter. I am at Forgot10Lands on both. That's the digits one zero, not the word 10. I couldn't get the tag that I wanted. Uh, And if not, I hope to see you again next week.